Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Michelle Morin with encouragement for the older women in the church to stay involved. Across the board, you know, there's opportunities for older women to minister to younger women. One way that we minister to them is just by serving them. You know, if, if there's a, a new baby, if, if there's um, a time when, the, when one of the, someone in the family is sick, you know, as we're available, we can go in and, and serve. Michelle Morin, next. women may feel a bit awkward with technology, may not be up to speed on the latest Christian music, and might not have kept up with the latest trends in clothing and terminology. Yet, they have a lot to offer and need to stay engaged. That's the encouragement you'll hear today from writer and speaker Michelle Morin as we talk to her about her piece to the older women in the church. You are not obsolete. Michelle, tell us about your motivation for writing this piece. Well, I think what got me started on the whole the whole concept was Tim Keller's passing a few weeks ago, and I kept hearing about the fact that his first book wasn't published until he was 57 years old, and all that time before that he'd spent in, in church ministry. He was a pastor, and he was, you know, working with the believers and unbelievers in the heart of New York City and, and church planting, and then all that experience, all that... Uh, insight that he gained through all those years of faithful ministry were distilled into that first book that he wrote at age 57. And the word that really came to my mind um, as I thought about that was the word marinate, because time is, is the main thing when you're marinating anything in, in a for a barbecue or whatever. You, you, you put it in the marinade and you let it sit. And, uh, of course, the Christian life isn't passive like that, where you just sit. Mm-hmm. God's not opposed to effort at all, and sanctification is, is hard work, but, uh, you know, he was, he, he was letting time do what time does for us, and, and I began to think about that in terms of my own ministry in, in, in the local church. My husband and I have gone to the same church for well over 20 years now, and, and you know, when we were younger, we were involved in all kinds of committees and, and all kinds of children's ministries, and I'm seeing my um, role really change in the local church, too, and it's, it's not that we're less involved, but we're just involved differently, and in the process of changing, you know, we want to be responsive to the marinating process that comes with the gift of time. Why would older women, you're telling them they are not obsolete, why would they, why would you, why would they feel obsolete? A lot of times, people just feel um, like, they've, like they don't have the energy they don't have the familiarity with technology. Like they don't have anything to really say to a younger generation. Maybe they're not up with current trends in music. Um, maybe they don't feel like they are. They consider the cool kids' table in the cafeteria anymore. And really, nobody's looking for coolness in, in an older generation. You know, mm. what, what we have is what time gives. You know, the, the long view of things. A lot of times, the person that is in her 60s 
or older or, or maybe 50s or whatever, but they're the person in the room with the most experience. They're the person that remembers how things worked or didn't work in the past, and they have valuable experience to offer uh, about that. And they remember what it was like to raise a family and, and to feel like you're overwhelmed, um, to feel like you just can't get it go, get it all together the way you wish you could, or, or you, you remember that um, 10 years ago someone's son or daughter passed away and, and you're the one that remembers to send them a card, you know. Um, we're in a, situ- in a position, really, to be able to minister in a way that's, that's unique to our age group. If we've got prior experience in, in um, heading up a ministry, then you can speak to some of the, some of the pitfalls, some of the things to be watching for. And uh, it just it gives you some, some discernment as, as part of that marinating process. Mm. Well, you uh, write uh, in your piece to the older women in the church, you are not obsolete, that uh, your presence and work in the capital C church, the church, the body of Christ, not, and in your local church, is in the process of changing. Uh, talk about that. Well, one big example of that is this past year I gave up uh, chairing a committee that I'd chaired for, heavens, probably 20 years, Mm. just because I I felt like it was time for some of the young people in our church to to take up some leadership and and to have the the main responsibility. It's one thing to just show up at a committee meeting that somebody else has scheduled and they hand you an agenda and say, this is what we're going to talk about. It's very different to be the person that makes sure there is a meeting and makes sure that you have something to talk about and that you're planning ahead. Um, the, the committee is Christian education, and so you know if there's going to be a, a special event for kids in September, then somebody needs to be thinking about it back in April. And I, I didn't want to to be the only person that was doing that anymore. Some of it is that I, I'm not the one with the little kids anymore, so I'm not always plugged into what the little kids might want to do, but I certainly, you know, want to help. So I'm still on the committee, but and, and for the first meeting, I, I handed over uh, a draft agenda to the to the new chair and said, here's what I would do, you know, mm-hmm. I sent it electronically so that he could make changes as he needed to do. And, you know, just I want to be an encourager and a cheerleader, but I don't necessarily feel that I need to sit in that chair um, role anymore, that maybe somebody else could do that and, and I can help them to take on that leadership and learn in a pretty safe and, un, you know, the, the consequences of an error with the CE committee mm. are slightly less than if you get somebody as an elder. Um, you know, so let, let's start them out with something that's... Um, that's less dangerous or, you know, has less impact and then, and then work up to something that's, that's more challenging. But that, that was one example of a, a change that I made, just in, to, to respond to that need to, to um, be in a, more an advisory role, maybe. Any other examples, or, or is that the main one? That's probably the biggest change. I, I, I'm finding that my relationship with younger women is, is so much better now than it ever used to be. And maybe that's, maybe that's my attitude is, is better. But, you know, I, I, um, I feel like we have things to talk about. And when they have questions, I, I feel freer to share um, mm-hmm. maybe what I've done, maybe my failures. You know, it's, it's, it feels less 
risky to me now to let somebody know that, you know, I wasn't always on my A game yeah. with my kids or with ministry when I was in my 20s and 30s. You know, we we share the things that, that, that are hard. Um, we become more willing to, to admit that we that we needed we needed help at different times and and maybe we didn't always take the help that was offered. In one of my talks I share a story about how one morning I was just having I homeschooled all four of my kids and I was just having a really hard morning and somebody called me on the phone with some kind of a question about church and I answered the question and hung up and then in seconds later the phone rang again and that that friend that was on the phone called back to say, listen, I, I hope you're okay. I heard something in your voice that makes me think you might be having a hard day. And instead of just letting that person minister to me and help me, I made believe I was fine. I'm, oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Thanks so much for calling. I appreciate your sensitivity. appreciate your discernment, but I'm, I'm fine. And, you know, I, that was so dumb of me to do that. And, you know, I really should have taken the, the help that God the Holy Spirit was working through this woman <laughs> to, yeah. to be a comfort to me, and I didn't take it. But, you know, so when, when I share that story with young women, I can see on their faces that, you know, that they might actually be in that position sometimes, too, and that it would free them up to just take help when someone offers it. Well, that's in, in the context of your local church. I guess you would call that this small C church, but you also talk about the capital C church, the kind of thing you do when you're writing for, well, maybe your blog or the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God or whatever. It's, are you finding that your, your ministry there with the, with the capital C church is, uh, is changing uh, or, or evolving in some way? Yeah, it really is. And one thing that has impacted on that is a diagnosis I got about a, uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Mm. And that makes you stop and think. You know, when something like that comes along, you can no longer say to yourself, well, I guess, uh, you, I'm, no, I guess I'm young, but no, I'm getting older. I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older, and I have this thing that I have to take into consideration all the time. And, you know, I really want to be able to share... The, the gritty truth with um, other women that there's a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that surpasses uh, my investment in this world. Um, mm-hmm. That my outward self is wasting away, but my inward self is is becoming stronger. And, you know, we have to make space in our lives for that, that kind of, of lesson. Um, our posture toward loss is um, preparation for those who are coming along behind us to, to look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. My guest today is Michelle Morin, and she has written the piece to the older women in the church. You are not obsolete. And Michelle, uh, I'm going to ask you this at the end too, but where, if people are listening to this and they want to read your piece, where can they find that? At um, michellemorin.net, that's that's probably the easiest way to find it, and just scroll down a few pieces until you come to it. But it's Michelle with one L, michellemorin.net. Okay. Uh, now, in this piece, you talk about the importance of the word remember in the context of older women in the church and also in Scripture. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I was surprised to, to find out that the word remember shows up in the Bible 253 times, and no one would ever expect, after what Moses went through in the wilderness with the people of Israel, they were such a surly bunch of people, and they gave him such a hard time, but 
in his farewell sermon, he exhorted Israel to remember that great and terrifying wilderness. And you, you'd think that it would be the kind of thing he'd want to blot out of mind, but instead, he was, he was clear that there was a painful purpose in, in, in the wilderness time, and, and that it was to humble them and to test them and to show them what was in their heart. And he wanted them to remember. And the older women in the church really function as rememberers because we remember the things that went well and we remember the things that didn't go so well. And, and um, we're, we're able to, if, if we're willing to step into the responsibility of that, we're able to function in a very helpful way because we're the person in the room that has the experience. And so that requires that we speak up. And sometimes that feels very uncomfortable, especially um, if you come from the evangelical um, background of, of, you know, be seen and not heard and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, women are supposed to have a quiet and gentle spirit, which I think you can speak up with a quiet and gentle spirit, but it requires discernment. Um, and again, that's part of our marinating process. We want to be able to speak up in a way that isn't going to be like a bull in the china shop, but sometimes it's necessary, and it's, it's our, really our responsibility, and if we don't speak up, then we're not being obedient to the Lord. And just remembering uh, some basic things like, I think you point out uh, VBS or Vacation Bible School, where if those that have been involved with it, like the, the older women, uh, when they were younger, it, it could easily be something that um, may be forgotten altogether. Well, that's, that's it. And just to, to understand that it, it's a process, and it takes an unfolding, and it takes a lot of people. And, and you know, if you, if you know that, then you can kind of put the brakes on and, and encourage people to plan ahead and, and to, to be patient with process. One of those other things you, you write, uh, and this may seem obvious, but it's a great reminder to the older women in the church, and that is the role of example. In what sense? As we become more skilled at exegeting Scripture, I think we have to look at, too, that we're, we're called upon to exegete the circumstances in our lives, to, to look at them and interpret them in light of what we know already from Scripture to be true about God. But it's so tempting and it's so pervasive for us to, to get that backward. And we look first at, at the mess that's created by the aging process or, or some disaster that's happened in our family or some, even just some inconvenience. We look at that first and we interpret God in light of our circumstances when what we're told in Scripture to do is to interpret our circumstances in light of what we already know about God. So if we're always looking, um, well, I guess this means that, that God isn't on top of things, or I guess this, this must mean that God's not faithful, or, you know, He's not acting in a way that I expect Him to, so therefore this is chaos, God can't be sovereign over this. But if we bring to the unthinkable, these when when the the membrane of protection around our lives is burst and the horror comes rushing in, um, if we come to that with the unshakable conviction that God is good and that He's sovereign, if we learn to interpret all of our life through the lens of God's sovereignty, He has the right to call the shots, um, then we're prepared to respond with a godly faith that, that's an encouragement to other people. And, and if we share the view from our redeemed suffering, because our suffering is never for anything, mm-hmm. never, never for nothing. It's always meaningful 
and it prepares the body of Christ for a more powerful presence in the world as we demonstrate the truth that living hope is not contingent upon perfect circumstances. That's, that's one thing that the body of Christ has to offer that the world needs so much, and that is hope. Well, and as you just shared, Michelle, and, and we appreciate you doing that, that you recently had a diagnosis of Parkinson's, how does knowing this, how to interpret our circumstances uh, in light of God's sovereignty, how has that been a, a comfort to you or uh, strengthened your hope in, in your own difficult or challenging circumstance? Well, it's almost given me a curiosity about it, and I know that sounds a little weird or warped, but I'm just I'm curious because my first response was, "Well, this is this is not what I had planned." Mm-hmm. You know, I I have um, five grandchildren, and and I have a ministry, and I have you know all these things. I'm a very busy person, and I have a lot going on. And I thought, well, Lord, what what could you possibly be meaning in doing this? And and but I, I come to it with an understanding that he had a, a purpose and a plan, and that he knew bef- before the foundation of the earth that I was going to have Parkinson's when I was 60 years old. And so, you know, what, what is this all about? So I, I have a, a curiosity about what, how it's all going to unfold. And at the same time, I, I know that, that he's in charge of it and that it's not something that he's done to me, but something that's happened for me, you know, that I, I'm going to be learning through this process. It's certainly given me a compassion for other people that don't have um, a lot of energy or that, that, that have obstacles that they have to work around. Um, when, when you are a person that has a lot of energy and um, maybe you're a, a planner, type A mm-hmm. individual, it's, it's easy to run roughshod over people that aren't um, as energetic or that maybe don't have, don't walk into the room with five point five plans already in their head, um, so I, I, I am always in, a, in a, the posture of being a learner. Maybe this has just reinforced that for me. And it just, I guess it's a reminder, too, to older women or older men, too, that, that as we age, challenging circumstances really inevitably come our way. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to sideline you. That That's the thing, and it, it also demonstrates some of our tendency to be idolaters. You know, if, if I were in the position of worshiping my youth or worshiping my ability to do 10 different things in an hour, or, you know, if, if I have to have perfect health in order to glorify God, then that's, I, I'm, I'm in trouble if I, if I really believe that. So God is merciful in toppling our idols, the idols in the believer's life, and we have to come back to the fact that it's not our fantastic ability that, that, that is going to put the glory of God on display, but the fact that God is able to do so much more than we would ask or think, and even a weak and flickering faith um, in a big God is infinitely more effective than a strong faith in a lesser God. And I don't think you use this word yet, Michelle, but uh, the, the older women in the Church are, are really can be uh, a model of faithfulness uh, to to the church, but to the younger women, is that what you're? That's what you're saying uh, in terms of uh, when adverse circumstances come. Absolutely, and it, that that might change over the years. You know, you might you might have a very public ministry in your younger years, but you might need to step back from it for various reasons, or, or maybe just as a, as a choice. Um, but we're constantly 
I think, responsible to help younger women to step into the roles behind us, um, to encourage them by our example and to, to exercise leadership in our uh, willingness to share um, ideas and to share our um, agency, to, to give them a voice. And um, a lot of times, like in my situation, I, I just assume not be modeling how to live with a chronic illness because mm. that's not fun sometimes, but yeah. it's, it's many people's circumstances. Women a lot younger than I am deal with chronic illness and have to deal, deal with it while they're raising a young family. And I'm sure that widows would just assume not model the path of loneliness, but if they do it with courage, then they're, they're lighting the path for women behind them to learn that even though it feels like the, the world is going to end when your husband passes away, that you do, you, you find grace to, to continue and to, to model the fact that your suffering is, is meaningful. And I don't know if I've asked you specifically, I think we've touched on the Scripture a bit, Michelle. What does the Scripture say directly to the role of older women in the Church? It does say some things, doesn't it? It does. Uh, right now, I've, I've been working on memorizing some verses in Second Corinthians 4, just because they are so encouraging, and, and, you know, the whole thing of, therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away, our inward self is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Um, it's not even just that, that, that the um, glory is a, is a reward for going through the suffering, it's, it's that it actually grows out of the suffering. There's something about, it's, it's, it's almost like, the, you put you have a balance scale, and on one side of it you put the weight of the um, the weight of glory that God wants to work through our lives, and on the other side of the, the balance scale, if you put all the things that we suffer, they would be like feathers compared to the weight of glory that God wants to work in us. And um, so, so therefore, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. It, it, it helps us to see. Um, a lot of times, I think. Americans, North Americans, those of us who are so privileged that we have, you know, regular electricity and, and you know, we know where our next meal is coming from, and most of us have more trouble with eating too much rather than not eating enough. Yeah. Um, we forget, we become materialists, you know, it, it, we forget that there's a world beyond what we can see, and that it's much more uh, weighty, much more... Um, meaningful than, than, than the things that we attach so much value to here on this planet. I'm wondering, what about those uh, older women, uh, understandably, who might uh, be hearing this and say, well, you know, I, I've been serving for years or decades in the Church, and I'm actually kind of tired, and I'm, I feel this is kind of my time to step back and let the younger women kind of take up the mantle. I've passed the torch to them. Uh, what about that? There's, there's, a, there's certainly a time for that, but don't miss out on the blessing of, of serving. Don't, don't ever say, I, God can't use me anymore because I'm, I, I've done my thing and, and it's time to move on. I've actually heard women say that, and it makes me sad because you're missing out on the opportunity to, to be a model of a faithful following and to, to be the rememberer and the one that's, that's reminding younger women that they can interpret scripture um, and life at the same time and, and help them to reject the, the lesser gods of materialism or, or just plain old um, selfishness. So 
so, you know, we, we want to model a right response to the contingencies of life, but if we go into hiding and devote ourselves to our hobbies and Netflix and getting a tan, then you, know, it's, you, don't, you just don't have the influence because you're not available. So in some capacity, I think we need to stay active in ministry just as long as the Lord allows us to, because we have a responsibility to share all that good marinated wisdom that, that the Lord has given to us because we've hung in there through the years. It's not time to stop yet. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Michelle Morin, author of the piece, To the Older Women in the Church, You Are Not Obsolete. You can read it by going to Michelle Morin, Michelle spelled with one L and then M-O-R-I-N dot N-E-T. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Adam Carrington on what pro-life Christians should be doing one year since Roe versus Wade was overturned. Uh, that one partial victory can lead to another, can lead to another. And I think one person to look at this that many Christians have in the past is to uh, the evangelical Englishman, uh, William Wilberforce. He did not get a complete ban on slavery and the slave trade in England immediately in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. It took him his whole life. Was that compromise in the sense of what he thought he could accomplish at the moment, but it was never a compromise of the principle or the pushing toward accomplishing that principle. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.